Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Last week, we aired the show The Ever-Changing World Part 1 with my friend Garth Yelty. If you missed the show, you can log right on to iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher and catch that podcast called The Ever-Changing World Part 1. And we talked together about things that are happening in today's society with church land. How are our churches relating to some of the things that are changing and morphing Are they going along with it? Are they stretching things? Are they twisting things? Or are they remaining truthful while being relevant? So Garth and I talked about several of the tough topics within this conversation of, you know, just thinking about churches today. And we're going to continue that conversation with this episode, part two of the ever-changing world. So let's take a listen and we'll dive right back in and We'll be back with you shortly. Okay, so you and I both know John Piper. And for listeners that are out there, um, John Piper, really well-known pastor from the Twin Cities, um, very respected, been around for a long time. And when this book came out and Rob starts kind of minimizing the fact that, you know, maybe there just really isn't a hell, maybe everybody is going to just go to heaven, then what John Piper tweeted was, farewell, Rob Bell. And that was just a huge thing across Christian society. People were responding like crazy. They wanted to know, you know, what's Rob Bell doing? Um, And obviously what he was doing was he was stepping into a place where, as a Christ follower, we don't agree. We believe in Scripture. Scripture talks very often about the description of hell. It's fire, it's brimstones, it's gnashing of teeth. It seems like an awful place, just like you said. And the only way, as Christ followers, we believe that you get to heaven is by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So when John Piper tweets, farewell, Rob Bell, it was a big hubbub. Tell me what you think. I mean, how big of an effect do you think that had? Well, big. I think it really was big. Um, Really, Piper, and it's not just that I used to, I I lived in Minnesota for 20 years, but Piper really has assumed the mantle of, what the other major people in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, the Chuck Smiths and stuff like that, of the, you know, the James Dobsons and the David Hawkins right. and, you know, uh, Charles Swindoll and stuff like that. Those people used to assume the mantle of the spokespeople of the evangelical mm-hmm. Protestant church in America, but they've gotten older and they've, they're not doing the radio things anymore and people listen to the radio, radio much, much less. But Piper has assumed that mantle nowadays. So when he made that, tweet, it was pretty major, because people were looking to him as kind of a gatekeeper. And there's a, there's the, the thing about gatekeepers is that there's a good thing and a bad thing, is that, you know, when you get one person saying, well, this is what, you know, this is what should be, well, you know, that's a good thing in the sense that we need to have some sense of leadership, and the Protestant church doesn't really have leadership other than the pastors of the individual churches. It's not like the Pope. I mean, we don't get a Pope, you know. Right. It used to be the Pope was <laughs> the Pope was Billy Graham, right? Right, so, exactly. But, you know, Billy Graham isn't going to tweet anything, and he actually, he used to be more controversial than he's not anymore, but so Piper, being who he was, that was probably one of the major shots, and people understand Piper as being 
theology at all costs. And so when he said that, it was it was is it pretty much told everybody, okay, he used to be in, now he's not in that that type of thing. And I, mean, I know that turns people off, and I can understand that. But at the same time, you have to know if people are really doing the theater. You know, we have to keep the Christian, the Protestant evangelical church on an even keel theologically, and That's it's really important. Yeah. You've got to, it's not everybody has to think the same way. We should be thinking at the, you know, the core doctrines, we should have some agreement on on that. Exactly. Um, I still think we should be listening to Rob Bell. I still think he should be involved in discussions. I, th- I don't think we should have the country clubs. So as we're talking about this, Garth, um, one of the things that's interesting to me is that Rob Bell was a very big leader in Christian society. I had lots of Christ-following uh, leaders, pastors, friends who were just like, he's great, he's fabulous. Then he starts saying, yeah, I'm not so sure that there really is a hell. And you're right, it's the very universalistic viewpoint. And then the next step that he takes is he leaves the church and he goes to work for Oprah Winfrey. I think it's really interesting because he's kind of starting to pick and choose what he thinks is right about the Bible and what he's not. And, and Garth, the thing that bothers me, not so much about any of that, is this with his leading. All of the people that Oprah affects, here's what he's saying. He's saying that the Bible was written 2,000 years ago and now is no longer relevant to today's society. And, and I just think that's an out-and-out lie. So I want to know what you think about it. Well, I want to defend Rob just for a second because I think there's a lot that people misunderstand about him. Uh, I, am, I read Love Wins through and through. I read it about three different times and stuff, and it didn't really surprise me. But the one thing that Rob does in a lot of his books, and even when he's talking, is that he says over and over again, I want us to just talk about these things. It's like that, he says that about twice as much as anything else he has to say. So he's trying to encourage conversation. He's not just saying, this is what I believe in. In fact, in El- Velvet Elvis, he has a whole section of, you're supposed to think for yourself. You're not just supposed to listen to what anybody else says. So if anybody reads Rob Bell, and I have a feeling that a lot of people don't, they just read what other people quote of him and stuff like that. Right. They need to understand that Rob is seeing a, a void of understanding in the Christian church or in the Christian culture or whatever you want to call it. And he wants to expand that. And like I said, and I keep coming back to this, this um, pendulum thing, is that anytime you move things, it's always to the extreme. Now, I think with Rob, he went way too extreme for what Christian orthodoxy, and when we use the word orthodoxy, we're talking about correct theology. We're not talking about all the little things like, um, like you know, baptism, should it be immersion or sprinkling or tongues or spiritual right, gifts right. and stuff like that. Orthodoxy, we're just talking about those basic six to eight to ten basic things about Christianity, is that, you know, the substitutionary atonement of Christ, um, that we're original sin and, you know, virgin birth and stuff like that, and, you know, hell is what we were talking about earlier. Now, the thing about Bell, and, and I just want to, again, defend him, the thing about the Zimzim book is that very little of it talks about homosexuality. That The book isn't about homosexual marriage. In fact, he, he probably devotes maybe two paragraphs to it. And I haven't read the book, but I read enough, uh, enough of the analy- analytics about it to where the majority of the book talks about 
basically talks about good marriages and what good marriages should be. It's just that he says a couple of those things, and then, you know, Oprah wants to talk about it, and other people want to talk about it. And then he says enough to just get him condemned, because an Orthodox Christian, according to Orthodoxy, looks at the Bible, and God completely condemns it. He just says, this is not, this is what people who do evil do. And this is, and um, heterosexuality and the man and the woman being the procreators and being the marriages, that's an established biblical thing. I mean, you just don't go past it. But I think people should understand that what Bell is trying to do is expand the conversation. And I think in a good light that I think it would be the worst thing to do for the church to say, um, to, for the church, uh, for the church to say, no, we will not listen to your your excommunicated, and you know, just be the, very stodgy about it. I think what they should do is they should keep talking about Bell, and he should keep talking about it. But the theologians like Piper and stuff like that, they should point out that this guy is not is willing to not accede to the authority of Scripture, which is again one of those basic things. Right, you know, and and also that's what we do. Exactly, we got this Bible and the inerrancy of the Bible, and we can't go from that. But that right. doesn't mean that Bell doesn't have a voice. Okay, and I totally get that Bell has a voice. I just don't like that voice. But here's what I want you right. to know: the part where he says that the Bible is no longer relevant. It's two thousand years old. It's letters from two thousand years ago. That's a problem for me. I don't like it. So yeah. when I think about people who are wanting to go to church, wanting to. Um, get out on Sunday morning and see what's out there. And they're not regular churchgoers. I wonder what's in their brain. So we're going to take a minute, listeners, and we're going to talk to my producer, John. So John, here's my question for you. I want to know, um, as just a regular, average, nice businessman, husband, you know, daddy, what, what is it about you that you don't feel like going to church? And at times you're really turned off by Christianity. That is correct, Kathy. I, here's what I see these days, and this might get me in a lot of trouble. I don't know. Um, but you asked me a question, I'm going to answer it honestly. Uh, I see less and less tolerance in the churches that I go to. Here's my theory on the Bible. And I believe that the Bible was originally a book of laws at a time where there were no laws. And I think there's a lot, and I mean a lot of good laws in there. I do think, though, that while our United States Constitution has changed and and other laws have changed as years have gone on, the Bible hasn't changed. And I understand that it's the inspired Word of God, and many religious leaders may wonder who has the authority to change this. But in your interview with Garth, you're talking about people sitting down, or it was brought up that people need to sit down and discuss. And I do think some of these laws and rules inside the Bible need to be discussed. There are rules in the Bible, for instance, in Deuteronomy, where your child, if he's stubborn and unruly, can be taken to the edge of town and stoned to death. Nobody talks about that. And I would believe that Christians inside of churches don't practice that, even though it is in the Bible. There are other laws in regards to rape where the rape victim is, can be killed, where uh, women really in First Timothy should not be able to teach inside of a church and should remain silent. I, I think those laws have changed. I think some of the other laws need to change as well. It just seems very cut and dry with no discussion that because the Bible says this, we this is our path. I just wish there was more open discussion, and that's really what 
turns me off about a lot of the churches I attend. So that would be um, quite the promotion for Rob Bell, in my word, right? Because that's what <laughs> Rob's trying to do. He's ha- having open you know, communication talks and thinking about that. But I, I think it's really great because that helps us to understand where John is at. Garth, what do you think? What are your two cents for John? Well, it's, here's where the teaching of the church has really gone downhill, is that any pastor that I was used to, worth their salt, would have said to John, you know, exactly what you just said, that's what the Bible actually teaches. The Old Testament was about Israel, and Israel had its own set of laws, but it, the Bible actually teaches with the coming of Christ that those laws are not applicable. So a, 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 if a pastor was doing his job, he would have simply said to John, hey, guess what, You're, the Bible agrees with you. Um, we're not supposed to be taking those things in, 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 in hand. And the, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, we don't do animal sacrifices, and so in the same way we don't stone the rapist and we don't throw people out of the, you know, out of the city and throw, you know, put lepers you know, to die you know, and stuff like that, and that's exactly why we don't. And in the New Testament where it talks about women and heads of church and stuff like that, that's already clear in Bible teaching even from way back that those are cultural things, is that Paul is talking to churches and the epistles, and he says, this is the way I need you to run your church, because this is the way your church is going to be running fine. But basically, we're not talking about everything in the Bible is like one of those things that you become a robot and you walk around. So I think it's more of a reflection of churches in crisis, like I said before, not spending the time teaching their congregants that the Bible isn't about a whole bunch of do's and don'ts and becoming robots, but in reality, it really lines up to day-to-day life almost perfectly. And when I, that's almost when I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, or 16 years old, and the evangelical church that I went to was that all of a sudden I realized that it was really equal to the day-to-day living, and since the Bible was taught very well, it was very easily early on to me that it didn't separate itself. It wasn't like this other world, and it wasn't this ancient culture thing. It just it matches, it matches it up very well. I just don't think that people are teaching it properly. I mean, or they just miss all the parts, and people have this misunderstanding. So, Garth, I recently heard a pastor talking about several of his friends who no longer believe in the Trinity, in the resurrection, and in the virgin birth. I was totally shocked and appalled. In your opinion, what can churches do to stay relevant, like John just talked about, and yet stay true to what God's Word says? Oh, you know, it's such a, it's such a, that's the million dollar question. And I, you know, I'm sure it's a lot harder to do than it is to, you know, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm just going to say, oh, this is easy and stuff. Well, it's got to be harder than that, because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But, you know, in my opinion, what they can do, first of all, is not be so pretentious and to just say, listen, we're part of the culture, too. And so let's give what the Bible says about the culture and just bring it out there and do it without a whole bunch of power trips and a whole bunch of God says so, thus you must do it and stuff like that. You know, really awesome. I'll give anybody a challenge. All they have to do is just read a little bit of Rick Warren for two days, and hopefully (laughs) they'll get it. Because if anything, Rick Warren really turned the corner 
in making this very obvious to everybody. You have this guy who looks like a dork. <laughs> he does, right? right? And he's got this stupid shirt, Hawaiian shirt on, and he's not pretentious at all. And he just comes out and he writes a whole bunch of great books, and he does a whole bunch of great speaking. And, and at Saddleback, they're not talking about this theoretical holy, holy thing. They're talking about what real things you can do in your life that model your life after the scriptures. Exactly. The scriptures teach us where life comes from, how to live that life, and where you're going after you die. And that's really what the Bible tells us as people. So if we're talking about remaining relevant and stay true to the Word of God, I think staying true to the Word of God in a very vital, living life, abundant life way, it's going to be relevant to people. The, where I see churches, and I'm, you, I go into so many churches, and I walk in there, and the ones that fail me are the ones that talk things in theory. It's all about theory. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it should be. And then you just walk out of there, and you go, well, wh- why, why and what and who cares? Right. I walked into a place willingly, you know, willing, and somebody just told me what to do. Well, Not these days. People don't think that way these days. But if you go in and hear something that you very much agree with, and somebody who not only sympathizes with your struggles, but shows you that the Bible really shows you the patterns of thought and the patterns of living in which you go, oh, this could make my life better. And not only will it make your life better, it can make other other lives better through you. People, like, to give an example, people understand that it's not all about them, and you don't go to church to learn how to get that Porsche that you always wanted. They are better than that. People come to church and they say, well, I want to make my life better, but I want to make my wife's life better. I want to make my friend's life a little bit better. You know, people aren't as selfish as you really make them out to be. And so you go to church and you're being taught that, hey, God, you're you're really, it's encouraging to know that God is thinking like you at your best. You know, when you think to yourself, you know, I want the best life now, or if I'm going to quote your ministry here, people really want that. And when they come to church and it's being taught that God wants the best life, but God has to be Lord, mm-hmm. people will say, okay, fine, God, you be Lord. God, you take the wheel. Right. Fine. But they don't like it when it's said in a manner to where they're being told what to do, everything is in theory, and that the pastor or whoever's talking could give a rip about what you do in life. Exactly. You know, so they, I think, I think people what, just walk away, and that, right. that's what happens at church after mm-hmm. church after church. I think it's the, the rare church to where you've got somebody intelligent yeah. enough to say, okay, this is what the Bible teaches. Isn't this a yeah. good thing? <laughs> you know? I think that the, the struggle will be, Garth, is that people today are going to have to really pray because, you know, um, the newer generations that are coming up need to be taught and they don't think like we do. I mean, your children don't think like you do. It's a different culture that's happening right now. So we have to remain, you know, credible. We have to remain um, knowledgeable. We have to remain saying the truth, relevant, but somehow... It can't be, in my opinion, like Mr. Bell, who's morphing and changing God's word, because that's just not right. Well, Garth, we're out of time today, but thank you so much for being on the show, and will you promise to come back and chat some more? Oh, I can't wait. Okay, great. (laughs) That'd be nice. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. The challenges that we face today as Christ followers is great. Throughout history, even in biblical times with the disciples following Christ, and then after his death and resurrection— leading others to follow him, there has been opposition. But do we know what we believe? 
Do we understand why we believe it? When other people are standing up and saying, this is truth, and in our opinion, it's not, do we know why we believe they are wrong? How are you doing with this? I ask myself over and over how I'm doing with relaying the good news of the Bible, of Christ's salvation, and of a personal relationship with God through Jesus. I want to make sure I know why, what, and how. Why is it that these truths are, are right in my heart? Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I'm going to repeat this at the end of the show because it's so incredibly important that we know how to answer people when they ask us questions about what we believe. Well, let's take some time right now and be encouraged by this song about what we believe as Christ followers. It's called We Believe by the Newsboys. And just a quick side note about the Newsboys. I happened to be in the Minneapolis airport a couple months ago and looked right next to me and said, wow, that looks exactly like the Newsboys standing there drinking coffee. And sure enough, when I got in line, I said, you look just like, and they said, yep, it's us. And I had fun. I had a picture taken with them. And we rode the same airplane to Kansas City. And I got to say goodbye to them. It was just neat to be with them. And here they are singing a great song called We Believe. In this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken generation when all is dark you help us see there is only
Friends, I often ask myself what Jesus would do if he was here. I know he felt emotions like we do. He was sad when his friend Lazarus died. He felt betrayed when Judas and the disciples turned on him. He felt defeated when he said, do what you've come to do to the Roman soldiers. He felt scared when he moved to the cross. And yet with all of that, he felt forgiveness as he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in those words, I'm reminded that so very often, we have no idea what we're doing. We just say things. We just do things. We spew, we argue, we want our own way. And when people don't agree, we back down or we push back. And when we want people to agree, we bully and pressure and beat them down. Jesus had those in his life who didn't agree. He didn't always believe what they were saying, and they certainly didn't believe him, and they didn't want to follow him. Yet he continued to be firm in his teachings, and he affected people with his words, his life, his death, and yes, his resurrection. Perhaps that's the bottom line, that real truth, not our own misgivings, misdirection, or misleadings will last, but the truth will always prevail. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, we've been challenged by today. Our beliefs are in the fiery furnace, and we need to know why we believe what we believe in order to stand up for our beliefs against those who will condemn and challenge and bully and push. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, are you ready, with gentleness and respect. Help my words, Jesus, to be truthful and my spirit to be gentle and my faith to be firm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listeners, I want to tell you about a fabulous opportunity for you to come and join me at the Church in the Grove on Saturday, May 13th. We're having a one-day women's event starting at 8.30 in the morning and ending at 2.30. Let me tell you what it's going to be like. I'm going to be speaking in the morning about Renewed, Refreshed, Restored. My friend Kathleen Soggy, our Director of Prayer Support, will be talking about being stressed out. And in the afternoon, we're going to have my friend Sandra Shea, who is going to be talking about really developing an authentic prayer life with God. And you don't want to miss this if you're from the area. Register today. We're excited about the opportunity. You can see the little old church and spend some time with other women who are seeking God and wanting to just enjoy the day away. Join us for a one-day women's event. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. 
Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.